This Rhythm and News podcast is brought to you by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. This morning, we'll have a special conversation with Seattle Mayor Bruce Harold. There are a, number, uh, a lot of things going on in the city of Seattle. And this morning, we'll get some information on a number of subjects slash issues directly from the mayor himself. Uh, good morning, Mr. Mayor. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. That's good. Uh, Mr. Mayor, let's start off by talking about something that's close to the heart of many Seattleites who live or have lived in the central area of Seattle, uh, and that is the central your alma mater, Garfield High School, which uh, took place last weekend. You know, can you talk about you, your thoughts about the Centennial Celebration? Um, and, you know, it was just a remarkable event um, that you participated in. But, you know, the importance of Garfield High School and being able to celebrate a Centennial uh, Celebration for Garfield High School here in Seattle. Yeah, it was a it was a marvelous event. And because I have so many friends who went to other schools, um, What's the name of that school that intersects with Martin Luther King and Rainer <laughs> Avenue near the south end? Whoops. Uh, black and green colors. Oh, Franklin, Franklin. So I have so many friends who go to Franklin and Cleveland and Rainer Beach and in other parts of the city that, you know, we try not to be exclusive because in all seriousness, I do have so many close friends that went to other Seattle Public Schools and, and other schools throughout the state. But this one was special, I think, because we talked about that common bond that so many of us had uh, in different parts of our life, different parts of the in, in time about, you know, this school is in the central part of Seattle. It's been sort of what I call the heartbeat of the city in so many ways, so many discussions on income inequality, race and social justice, um, the wars throughout our country's history, um, the great um, uh, experience of diversity that I, you know, we have a special bond, many of us do, and a very prideful bond. And so it was a, it was a good time for old friends to get together and listen to the new generation, new leaders. We had a young lady that's graduating uh, this year speaking as well. So it wasn't just the good old days. It was how the good old days we're dealing with now. Uh, so it was, it was, it was wonderful. We saw the golden grads people and we had one person there, 96 years old, who was a volunteer from 96 on down to their most recent graduate. So a wonderful event, um, and I think everyone had a great time. Right. And, uh, Mr. Mayor, let's switch gears a little bit. I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, take a little time this morning to talk about the team that you've been able to assemble uh, with your leadership in the city. There appears to be some very strong and passionate voices, uh, particularly uh, from black people who are in some prominent positions uh, within leadership, the leadership team uh, and your captain as well. Uh, can you kind of talk a little bit about the leadership team that you've put together, the diversity, um, and 
you know, how they play into your um, vision for, and I believe it's the, the one Seattle vision that you have, how they play into the one Seattle vision that you set forth for the city of Seattle. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And, and let me say to your listeners that we continue to hire and have job openings at the city of Seattle in you know, over 40 departments. And so I strongly encourage people always to look at our website, look at available job openings, um, because we are trying to make sure these great opportunities extend to our community and, and, and all communities. So what we've done is we've been extremely intentional about trying to um, hire affirmatively, and by that I mean African Americans and other people of color and underrepresented communities out there. We believe that those diverse perspectives, those that lived experience, will make us better as an entire city. And when you continue to look at people who've experienced racism or unfairness or exclusion, that they may have a different lens, which will lend itself to making sure all people are included in the discussions. And quite frankly. I like for people to openly disagree with my views often, to have that will have different life experiences than my own. It'll make me a better, more effective mayor. So we have lively debates. Every every morning at nine thirty, my executive team meets to discuss the issues of the day and the issues of the week. And we don't always agree. In fact they know that I stimulated healthy conversation and that's what it's gonna take. So I have three deputy mayors. Uh, all three of them are people of color, two of whom actually went to Garfield in Monisha Harold and Greg Wong. We have an African-American sister, Tiffany Washington, that has probably one of the most important uh, areas right now in terms of homelessness and housing and housing affordability and looking at the gentrification that has occurred. Monisha Harrell, uh, my niece, who uh, has police and police reform and um, or should say police accountability and effective policing strategies. And so I, quite candidly, I um, look for the best of the best, and I look for diversity, and we're very proud of the team we've assembled. Right. And, uh, Bruce, you, you mentioned the police um, accountability, and I know there's a uh, that you guys, that the city is still in the process of conducting its search for the next police chief. Uh, you know, the community cares very deeply about who the next police chief will be. You know, what is the process as it remains in the police chief search, and how can people get involved? Sure. So um, the process is is about to come to inclusion. Hopefully this month we're in September, and I hope to have a selection made by the end of this month or maybe at the uh, the process is sort of already defined by charter, and so there are, there are rules and procedures by which it is defined. And that process is winding up to some extent. Um, there was an extensive outreach effort already where we met at different community events and solicited the input, um, the community on what is desired in this police chief. And I I, I, my numbers might be a little off, but I, I want to say there were 15 or 16 candidates um, who I didn't look at, but uh, we assembled a quite uh, a comprehensive search team of many people from many lived experiences uh, relative to public safety. And that team then looked at all of the resumes, as I recall. And again, I'm, I don't want to misstate some of the facts because the procedures were defined by chart. I had a search committee and some HR people uh, defining that process, they didn't narrow it down to five candidates. And those five candidates then take 
a competitive exam that's evaluated by a whole different set of people, not me. And then from that process, they'll present three to me, and then I'll uh, either interview them or make a selection, and then I have a little bit of discretion at that point. And I could take one of the three, or I could go back to the drawing board. And so, um, so that's the process. And like I said, I believe the five are about to take the competitive exam that will be evaluated and narrowed down to three for me to select this month. And um, so let's, let's stick with the topic of public safety for a minute, um, because I know many people are community are concerned about crime and violence, especially as it relates to young people killing one another, and in some cases firing handguns into in the direction of innocent bystanders. Um, you know, if you can speak directly to the community this morning about um, you know this ongoing process um, that it takes to try and you know mitigate some of these things that are taking place in the city of Seattle, but primarily. Um, in our community, and in, in, you know, especially as it relates to Central and Southeast Seattle, can you kind of talk a little bit, as much as you can, about um, your philosophies and strategies and things that you guys are are hoping to do in order to be able to mitigate some of these um, situations that are taking place? Yeah, Chris, and I want to thank you for the question because you know people have their own narrative on what we're trying to do, and as much as I try to describe that narrative or even write the narrative down and publish it. But the first thing we want to do is know exactly where the gunfire is occurring, who's pulling the trigger, who are victimized. And you are 100% right that you see a disparate impact on our community. You see that uh, we are disproportionately impacted often. So then we do a few things. Number one, we go to the community and we invest in community organizations. And we have literally millions of dollars uh, being invested in the groups that I believe in. And these groups now will look at um, why certain people may pull a trigger and what kind of trauma they experience and whether there's retaliation, whether there's specific intervention strategies we can put in place right now to save another young person, save an innocent person from being shot. And so we will continue to double down on these efforts to try to figure this out, who, what organizations are tied in and protective of our community and by double down i just mean increase our energy and and our thoughts on how to um make sure our community helps us protect ourselves so that's a community-based strategy i also we also know that uh having the right kind of place and more place place that can talk to community members that community members could develop trust with this helps out as well having eyes on the ground and so we're on a recruiting strategy to increase the number of police. We know that police cannot solve it alone, and and that's certainly not a a silver bullet, but uh, we are down in terms of our police numbers, and so you see a retention and recruiting strategy that we're putting in place. I want to go back to the community-based strategies because I use the pun, you know, I need my faith-based community as one example of many as is not preaching to their own choirs, but going out there where many of us are going to, where people are hurting or people are um, not doing things, not not doing positive activity. And so, our strategy is going to be, you know, multifaceted. We will go to the community for solutions. I should mention there's two other, three, three other policy issues that, uh, as mayor, my hands are somewhat tied under a law, RCW 9.41.290, which is the state exemption law, which doesn't allow a city to get into the, the space of regulating um, 
guns or, or, or to effectuate gun regulation. And so I'm pushing hard to get out from under that exemption, as some states do. And, and in that capacity, there are other uh, things I could do, such as stronger background checks or um, taking a gun away from someone who's uh, significantly intoxicated. Think reasonable restrictions that we could put in place. Um, there's training that can be done for people that continue to use um, guns and may not be sufficiently trained. Background checks is, have become critical because we have too many guns in the wrong hands. Um, so, so there are some other policy issues we can effectuate as well, which we'll continue to do. All right, uh, Mr. Mayor, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, Office of Professional Accountability since we're kind of on. Um, public safety issues, and uh, the uh, selection of Gino Betts uh, as the new director of the OPA. Can you kind of talk about uh, Mr. Betts and, you know, what he brings to the table uh, in terms of his experience and his wisdom and knowledge and vision um, and how that parlays into um, the OPA when it comes to uh, accountability with uh, law enforcement officers and and, and why people in our community should be – uh, for lack of a better term, I won't say excited, but interested in uh, his position with the OPA. Yes, and I, I hope to make Gino available, uh, Mr. Betts, available to you if he hasn't been on your show already. Has he uh, come to your show at all yet, Chris? Do you know? No, not yet. Okay. Well, when when uh, when all communities meet Gino Betts, they will see why he's the superstar that he is. And that, quite frankly, uh, not to criticize anyone that's ever held that position at all, but Gino is, uh, he's an African-American male with a legal background and a community-based background. And by that, I simply mean he's been very in touch with uh, African communities throughout this country. And he understands sort of the calibration between strong accountability to making sure that our officers uh, protect and serve our community and that we look at racial bias or um, unreasonable force and we look at it with such a commitment to protect all communities, particularly those who are disparately impacted, with not only academic sense, as our parents would say, book sense, but with, with, a, with a commitment from the heart. Uh, from lived experiences and family experiences, and he he would impress upon anyone, I think, that he would do this work with the level of excellence that the city uh, desires and wants. And and from a practical sense, he's a well-researched person. I mean, this world of accountability, I don't expect, I don't purport to be the the national expert in this, and he. Again, he has resources and connections, and um, is, has worked in this space for for quite quite a period of time. So I'm, I think he'll be a welcomed addition to Seattle, and and hopefully uh, as months turn into years, uh, the community will know him and trust him, and you'll see some good work. Right, um, Mr. Mayor, and you know, economic development I think is one of the um, key issues people want to talk about. We'll kind of get into the economy type stuff now. You know, what initiatives have your office carried out in, in terms of economic development, especially as it relates to small black businesses in Central and South Seattle, um, as I'm sure many of these business owners themselves are listening to us this morning? Sure. Well, number one, I want to give a little plug for some of the great organizations out there, such as Tabor 100, that 
are building communities and building wealth and small business support. And the city is a strong partner and aligned with Table 100. In fact, I'm emceeing their event this month. I believe my wife, Joanne Harrell, is a keynote speaker. And so we'll continue to do continue as a city to support those efforts that the community is doing. The, community, the city can't fix it all, all, you know, all by itself. But along those lines, uh, I'll give you one example is in our Office of Economic Development. Uh, I think many people know that I go to D.C. to work those relationships hard to make sure that we get the sufficient amount of federal support for BIPOC businesses, African-American-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, because that is so vital to our city's success. Heck, it's so vital to our country's success. So right now, I did an event at Simply Soulful, just to uh, give an example of a restaurant that uh, has received monies. We have about $1.9, almost $2 million that we've made available for business revitalization, BIPOC businesses. Uh, right now, as we speak, uh, if you go to our Office of Economic Development website, you'll see that uh, BIPOC businesses are eligible up to $100,000 in grants or loans. Um, a lot of grant money available to support our businesses. And so I frequently tell the story about how many of our grandparents and parents came here to start their own business. So you'll see through our city a very intentional effort to help our own businesses stay in business. And so I've walked around the city, all over the city, um, who've been re- who received money from the city of Seattle to keep them in place, particularly coming out of the pandemic. So that's one program of many, Then that's why I spend so much time touring. If you go to the website, you'll see me and team uh, members of my team and BIPOC businesses all throughout the city, all the way from the Central District to um, to West Seattle, as an example, where we have BIPOC businesses supporting them. And we'll continue to make funds available, and we'll continue to support organizations that are doing the same work. Right. And, and Mr. Mayor, let's continue to talk about the economy a little bit in terms of housing and jobs, because Many people are still feeling the pinch of what COVID has had to offer. But what are the efforts uh, you guys are planning or currently engaging that will help um, create jobs and more affordable housing? And particularly as it relates to, you know, those, those are two big topics uh, in our community. Number one, affordable housing. You know, what does affordable housing actually look like and who is it affordable to? But then also being able to create jobs, especially um, career opportunities for our young people. Yes. So, um I'm presenting my budget in about, I think, a three weeks or so. I, my date could be a little off. And you'll see a very intentional effort to, again, support BIPOC businesses and look at what I'm calling the four pillars of equity. The four pillars of equity being, one of them being making sure our communities are safe. The second one, looking at the um, the, the housing issues, um uh, that have affected us, uh, equity being the pillar of everything that we do, making sure our communities uh, receiving what it should be on historical practices, and education being a, being a driver, investing in communities. So uh, to, to equate the pillar strategy, what it will result in, for example, is working closely with uh, a local elected official on the WDC, the Workforce Development Council. So we work closely with the Workforce Development Council. I'm creating a Seattle Job Center, and that's that's a new department, and it's going to take a little while to get up and running. But what I'm trying to do is create a portal by which any person, young, old, or in the between, can get access to jobs. Again, that's a pillar of economic development. So, 
all of our departments, all of our 40 departments, in addition to the race and social justice work they're going to be doing, are going to be looking at these pillars and figure out, for example, in education or in climate change, what can they do to make opportunities available. So I'm calling upon my strong and effective department heads to create programs within their department. And the best answers are going to come from the community. Let me give you an example. Um, where there are capital uh, investment projects, housing projects, and we are learning how to build affordable housing in our community. I want college students or high school students to have relationships for interns. We just finished 211 intern programs I just uh, just about two weeks ago. We're bringing in young people to partner with either city departments or organizations or organizations that we've solicited and built relationships with to get under the tent, build these relationships to see how people are doing it. So while an intern under a teacher or an artist are, is cool and we we'll support that if that's a person of interest, perhaps they want to know how to build housing. Perhaps they, as I say, instead of receiving a fish, they want to know how to fish. So we're going to be very intentional about building internships with people who are making some of the change in our city. So we have, a, again, a very uh, holistic strategy on how to create talent in those areas where perhaps we've been historically denied or we just didn't know relationships could exist. So our equity strategy, our, uh, what, I, what we're calling a, a mayor's mm-hmm. equity action plan, is designed to do exactly that, fight the housing challenges that we have and build uh, wealth in communities that have been historically underserved. All right. Uh, Mr. Mayor, we have Seattle Mayor Bruce here on um, with us this morning talking about a number of issues as it relates to the city of Seattle. Mr. Mayor, um, we have a few minutes left in the time that we allocated for you, and I, we appreciate your time this morning. I uh, have one more question for you. Um, and within that, I also want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to our community about uh, some things that you might be passionate about that I did not ask you about this morning. But my, my final question is uh, to you is, um, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, the process or what you guys are doing to kind of clean up the streets in Seattle, particularly as it relates to uh, downtown Seattle and other areas where we see some of these um, homeless uh, housing encampments, and some people are referring to some of them as just these pop-up homeless in- encampments uh, in downtown or some of the areas adjacent to downtown Seattle. Can you So can you kind of talk about that? And then also, like I said, want to give you like an open platform for the last few minutes to kind of talk about uh, your vision, your one vision for Seattle and, and other things that you think that might be important information for our com- to share with our community this morning. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. So if you look at downtown as an example, that there, there are several challenges. Number one, just capital improvements. We have there are private owners of buildings that have plywood on their uh, windows. That's not a good thing. That does not mean economic opportunity. At the end of the day, I want jobs for our community. I want people to be gainfully employed. So working with the business community and philanthropic leaders and civic leaders, we're trying to figure out, well, if some of these buildings were struggling uh, even before the pandemic, what should it look like now? Should we... And you'll see our efforts to, we've, we've been uh, filling vacant spots with small businesses to be able to get in there. And we give them incredibly good deals to get in there and activate because a, a, a tenant trying to start a small business is better than a plywooded storefront. Okay, That's, that's our philosophy, that we want to activate areas. Now, I, said, I say this all the time. 
that we lead with compassion, we lead with love, that when I see people that are not what I, what I describe as self-optimized, in other words, they just don't know their purpose. They're just hanging out. And Chris, people know I'm, I was born here in Seattle. I've, I've been here my entire life, and many of these people I know. And when I talk about investing in communities, faith-based communities as an example, I want them, and we will encourage them and invest in them to help me come and, and try to help many of these people find their way, because if you're not doing anything productive, something bad is likely to happen. You don't want to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And so when we talk about cleaning up the area, I'm not so much talking about people are dirty. People are human beings, and so we have to have a very holistic approach. Uh, we also need to protect people. I want to be able to take my grandchildren any part of this city. And so when I talk about community base, I talk about police presence at all. And we talk about social workers and those that can help those experiencing mental, mental, mental crisis. I have to have a holistic approach to what we're trying to do in the city. And quite frankly, I say this with energy and, and, and compassion and passion and, and often extremely critical because I am not happy as mayor of what I see in the city in terms of what it can be. Uh, we, are, we are a phenomenal city and we have phenomenal people within it. So, so our strategy will be to enlist what I call all hands on deck. Uh, you know, the city can't do it alone. The city leaders can't do it alone. I need people. And so our strategy that you're going to see in the next several months and based on my budget are going to be getting people off the benches, find entry points for them to help with these issues. Same thing with graffiti and, and cleaning up the area in terms of litter through Seattle Public Utilities. Where can we uh, have uh, parties for people to, to help clean up their own neighborhoods? Yeah, the city has a core responsibility to protect and serve and clean, yes. But as long as I've been alive, Chris, the city and the state and the county and the, the federal government, they've never had enough money to solve these problems. And many people want to, to find ways to help. So... My strategy in one Seattle is to look at these problems and say we're all in this together. We can have differences of opinions. That's We have different strategies. That's okay. But let's agree on some common ground and let's change our city collectively. You know, as mayor, um, this is a big job, and I'm up for big jobs. But I would say I can't do it alone without strong people around me. And with that effort, sometimes, uh, you know, it's it's right to be criticized. That's okay, too. We're strong, we're, we're effective as a, as a city, and we're resilient. So my budget that I'll propose will reflect this effort of uh, being aggressive in terms of our, our strategies to house people, to treat people, uh, to clean up our area in terms of our parks and our sidewalks. Uh, I, I always act with a sense of urgency. You've known me for decades and decades. I, I know that speed. That's my pace. And and I try to always say I continue to lead with love and compassion because this is a phenomenal city. Right. And, and Mr. Mayor, um, listening to you talk, you reminded me of a couple of things that I think are passionate. People have some passion about in our in our community. I apologize because um, that brought me up to one last question for you. And and that relates because you talked about community and you talked about change. Um, and I know people are concerned about the housing developments that are taking place, uh, especially in central and southeast Seattle um, where they're putting up you know, multiple small pods of houses where one house used to be uh, and the parking situation that that creates, in addition to some of these bigger developments where they have all these apartment comp that are that are popping up or, or housing that's popping up, and there's uh, very little 
um, parking around those areas as well. Um, can you speak to that in terms of how there, you, the, the vision for Seattle is in terms of, of zoning and how that plays into how these developments are taking place and really kind of changing in people's minds the, um, you know, the look and feel of Seattle right now? Yeah, so, you know, we've experienced as a city, people forget how much growth we've experienced, number one. We just flat out have more people as we approach 800,000 people, as an example, from a city that you know, decades ago were, were, were half that size. So you have to have multifamily units in order to accommodate this level of growth. We're also, as you know, at Sound Transit 3, we have a robust light rail station that not only goes north and south, it will go east and west, and we continue to make significant investments in transit. And we also have other ways for people to get around, and we're trying to build walkable communities where people could work, play, and live in the area with which they work. We also realize and think that the pandemic, more and more people will actually work from home as well through virtual tools. So as we look at the available tools for effective urban growth, um, you'll see multifamily units. You'll see us trying to uh, embrace density in what I call the right areas. That could typically be around transit, around areas where growth makes sense. Uh, the parking issue is always a, a touchy one because uh, for those that are still reliant upon cars, and there's a cultural issue here. We talk about this all the time, that some some Younger demographics, for example, may ride a bike around, but, you know, people in their 80s aren't typically going to ride a bike around. And so we look at uh, where there are needs for parking and where we can alleviate parking and try to reach the right balance. And so, uh, again, with the, and I, you may know that I've recently hired an SDOT director in Gregory Spots, who was phenomenal looking at this issues. And that was one of the questions I say to Gregory Spots as the head of the Department of Trans Transportation. How do we make that balance between the need for parking and the need for living and the reduction of parking where it makes sense? And so our strategy is, is trying to do it the right way. This is tough work, but again, we have to embrace the growth and we want to keep our people in our hard to make sure that this housing uh, is conducive toward people of all incomes, the food service worker, the person on a fixed income, to live in Seattle. We are fighting for that kind of diversity. And in, in that process, um, we, we, we embrace the, we embrace the density that I described. So not easy stuff to figure out. Doesn't make everyone happy, but we're working, I think, around the right values and, and hopefully we'll get there, Chris. Right. Well, Mr. Mayor, Seattle Mayor Bruce Harrell, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. We went a little bit over time. I apologize for that, but I think some of the things that we talked about were things that the community was really interested in hearing, and we'd like to have you back uh, on the on the show here in the near future to you know talk about other issues as um, and topics as they arise uh, as it relates to the city of Seattle and and just moving the city forward in the right direction. Yes, so thank you, Chris, for building our community. Uh, continuing to build our community, uh, c uh, continuing to hear all voices. Uh, you and your family are are uh, just an incredible asset to Seattle, and I never take that for granted. So thank you for having me on your show, Chris.